Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Luke 1. If you're still learning your way around the Bible, there's an Old Testament that starts with Genesis and a New Testament that starts with Matthew. Luke is in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke. While you're turning there, I want to say hi to everybody that's engaged with us online. Thank you for engaging with us wherever you are and connecting with us. We love you. Um, so, you know, as we talk about Advent, there are things that Advent represents and reminds us of. You know, joy and hope and peace, things like that. And so over the next few weeks, I want to take some of those things that are supposed to be a part of our life and talk about what gets in the way of that in us. And so today I want to talk about joy. And the truth of the matter is, is that Advent is, it's a declarer of joy because it's where we celebrate Jesus is coming into the earth and then his coming into our lives, but also him coming again. That those things should, you know, that he came to bring a joy that only he can bring. And so, but if that's the case, why is it that so many of us, if we were, if we were going to be honest about it and somebody were to say, do you, have, do you have joy in your life right now? So many people would probably say, well, no, I really don't. I really don't have joy in my life. And so why is that? What gets in the way of our joy? And so and we want to look at that today and, and we'll use different people that were involved in the birth of Jesus to talk about how they dealt with some of these issues. So Luke 1 verse 42 says this, says, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary. Now, you're like, who is Elizabeth? Well, she was the mother of John the Baptist. She was actually related to Mary, okay? So, you know, some of you may not have known that, 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 that they knew each other growing up. So Elizabeth, she saw Mary, she gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped. The baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God. Everybody say in God. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. So Elizabeth sees her. She's carrying John the Baptist on the inside of her. He leaps for joy as a baby in her womb. And so she celebrates that. She says that. And then Mary says this. She's, you know, she says, my spirit rejoices. Now, the word joy or, uh, you know, or rejoice or something like that, and when, you, when we hear the Christmas story, Christmas account, it's mentioned like eight times. And so it's obviously a significant thing, a significant part of Jesus entering the earth. It's a significant thing that happens here. And so, you know, that, so for her to say that, my, my spirit rejoices in God. That's where she found it. Now, when you, think, when you think about this, a lot of times when people don't know what joy is, they confuse it with happiness. And the truth of the matter is, is that happiness is not joy. Happiness is an emotion. It's an external thing. And so happiness is based upon, listen to this, happenings. And so when our happenings are good, then it's easy to have happiness. When our happenings aren't good, then sometimes that happiness, it, it, can, it can run away from us. And so so many times, one of the reasons that we don't have joy is because we mistake it for happiness. Joy is an internal thing. And so one of the things that gets in the way of us experiencing joy is when we look for it in the wrong places. Some people look for joy in their happenings. 
in the things that are taking place out here. We live in a culture right now, I mean, it's, it's never been emphasized more than ever, just the, uh, you know, the emphasis is on me as an individual, what's good for me, what I like, and that type. It's just, just this huge emphasis on this. And, and you know, and it really, it's hard to pick up your cross and just think only about yourself at the same time. Picking up your cross is sacrificial. Think about, think about yourself as, it's, it's, you know, it's personalizing. And so, so many times in people's lives that they're looking in the wrong place. I don't answer this out loud, but here's a question. I'm asking you this question, and hopefully, you know, that we ask ourselves this question, and that is, is that where, where are you looking for joy right now? Are you looking for it in your job? In your relationships? Are you looking for it, you know, in, in, your, in your resources and, you know, the things that you have, your possessions? When you think about Mary at this time, we think that at, at, the, at the oldest, she was probably around 15 years old. 15 years old and she's pregnant. A teenage girl that's not married, she's betrothed, which in their culture, like, it was, it was, it was one of those things that betrothal in their culture was like engagement, but it was a stronger commitment than engagement is in ours. Betrothal meant that you, you had everything in marriage but the sex, the sex was to come after the relate after you you know that you had pronounced your vows together, and had the wedding. And so she's 15 years old. She finds out that she's pregnant, or she's going to be pregnant. The angel appears to her and says, "Fear not." Matter of fact, we'll talk about peace next week. And that you know that like, there were like seven times that the phrase or something along those lines, "Don't be afraid," was mentioned. And so. So right here with Mary, she was 15 years old. She was betrothed to Joseph. In their law, if she got pregnant and he, you know, outside of the marriage, you know, was, uh, was through, through somebody else that she was not engaged to, that he could publicly shame her and, and then expose her to the public and she could, you know, be stoned to death. I mean, there were all sorts of consequences that she could go through. And then she would have the situation, you know, she would have to, she would have to tell her parents, hey, I'm, I'm pregnant. And then, you know, the people in the community. And, and I would just say, I think about all of these things that in Mary's life, when you think about all of these things for a 15-year-old girl, even though she was in the middle of God's plan, that there were so many things that felt chaotic about it and unsettled about it. Isn't it wild sometimes that God takes us to a place where we totally don't have control? We're totally not in power of anything other than to trust him and to follow him. You know, the other thing about Mary, if, if she would have been looking for her joy and social approval, her being pregnant and not being able to tell everybody her story and what happened could disrupt that and so joy would disappear. If, if she based her joy on the fact that she was engaged and was getting ready to experience, you know, what was supposed to be one of the greatest moments of her life, and that is the marriage to the man that she loves. And now that's been disinterrupted. If she was looking for a joy there, just like that, it seemed to leave her. And sometimes, man, God takes us to places that are unsettling. Sometimes he leads us into places that we don't know the outcome. I'll be real transparent with you. One of my great challenges is, is that I hate to be misunderstood. 
hate to be a sir. So, you know, sometimes people will say things. And, and, you know, sometimes people may say things about me. And it's like, that's entirely true. I did that. I shouldn't have done it. Other times they say things about me where I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I didn't keep my word there. I, you know, I should have done better. And that, you know, just those, I failed and that kind of thing. But there's other times where people say things where I'm like, that's not the entire whole story. And I want to get on Facebook, man, and just kind of share my side of it. Well, you know, this is what happened. And they're an idiot and I'm not, you know, and that kind of thing, you know. So I know, I know you never think that, that ungodly or anything like that, but, but you know, you just, you just have that moment that, that you want to do that. But the truth of the matter is, is that those things, none of those things are permanent. And joy is not found in anything. And the only anyone that it's found in is Jesus. Because we're going to have no joy. Maybe you're looking for it in the wrong places. Maybe, maybe the place that, you, that you're, you're, you're looking at, I mean, you may say, well, I know it comes in Jesus, and, and I get that, but I've been here too, I know it, but that doesn't mean that there aren't times that I'm going to get distracted by something else, and I begin to look for that, to put joy in my life. Where are you finding joy? Where are you looking for it? Mary, in the middle of the most chaotic season of her life, so much uncertainty said, my spirit rejoices in God. My spirit rejoices in God. Her happenings were unsettled. Uh, she was in all likelihood a teenager. She risked what her friends would think, her fiance. She had to travel the last week of her pregnancy on a, probably a donkey to another city. Can you imagine, ladies, on the last week of your pregnancy, your husband goes, babe, I got great news. We're going out of town. Are we? Yeah. And here's the donkey you're riding on. I mean, can you imagine how unsettling and chaotic that would be? And yet, her spirit rejoiced in God. The problem is when we look at our happenings for joy is that our happenings change. But Jesus doesn't. So, sometimes what gets in the way of our joys is looking in the wrong places. Look with me at Matthew chapter 1, if you would. Matthew 1, that's the first book in the New Testament. You're in Luke, and before Luke is Mark, and before Mark is Matthew. And so Matthew also wrote the account of Jesus' birth. And in verse 18, it says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged. Everybody say engaged. To be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place... While she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. Everybody say righteous man. Why was he a righteous man? Because he did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. So, you know, you think about this. I mean, there's probably not a greater betrayal than to think that it, while we're engaged, that somebody betray, you know, they, they step outside of the relationship. And Joseph doesn't know what God's doing here. So in his mind, the lady that he's betrayed to had stepped outside of their relationship. And in their culture, he could have made her pay for it publicly. But he didn't do that. It said because he was a righteous man, a good man. He didn't want to expose her. It's obvious to him, you know, she said, I'm not, I'm not the father. You don't want to marry me. So... We, nobody has to know, but we're just going to break off the engagement. And so it says this. They decided to break off the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So all of this happens. Joseph finds out that she's pregnant, and he's like, 
Okay, I'm going to break the engagement, but I'm going to do it quietly. I could create shame in her. I could even, like, risk her life, but I'm not going to do that. And so, and after that, the angel shows up. Now, I think about this. I'm sure Joseph thought about this. Lord, couldn't you have told me before? Have you ever had that wherever, you know, you, something's going on, and, and it's like you're endeavoring to do the right thing, and then later on you find out the whole story, and you're like, man, I'm so glad that I knew the whole story. I would have done it. And wouldn't it have been nice if God would have said, oh, <laughs> by the way, I want you to marry her. This is what's happening. Actually, she's part of my plan for redemption for humanity. But God doesn't always do it that way. Have you discovered that? He doesn't always tell you the whole story at the beginning. Man, Lord, couldn't you have told me? No, man, he wants me to grow. He wants to challenge us. But I think about this, that Joseph had every right to feel hurt and disappointed and feel betrayed. I wonder how it would have impacted his story if he had. What would have happened that in that moment that he would have done everything that society offered him in his response to Mary? What would have happened? How would that have impacted what he did? He could have let resentment be his guide. People would have understood. You know, he's having to explain to his friends and to his family this thing that's taken place, having to assure them that he's been honorable in all this. And then when it's all said and done, that he still stays with her in the relationship. Here's one of the things that gets in the way of our joy. And that is, is when we let hurt take over. All of us have been hurt. Whoever you are, you've been wounded by somebody. Disappointed by somebody. That you trusted You've been hurt and disappointed by somebody that you care for. And we can let that settle into our life. And it can impact us in such a way that we don't get to experience the things that God wants to do on the other side of it. Resentment is such a powerful thing. And as we hang on to that, some people have held on to it so tightly that from that moment on, that becomes their identity. They're a victim of whatever that is. And so Joseph right here is a picture of that he was able to experience the joy of walking in God's plan because he refused to let hurt take over his life. He refused to let resentment be a part of it. As I said, we, we all experience hurt. We all have people that disappoint us. Sometimes it's perceived. Joseph thought that he was, had been betrayed by Mary only to find out later on that that was not what happened. And sometimes it's reality. Sometimes we really were betrayed. We really were hurt. We really were disappointed. We really were let down. And it impacts us. Don't answer this out loud, but let me ask you this question. Who's hurt you deeply? Who is it that this morning as I talk about this, that that begins to come up and begins to well up on the inside of you? And it's robbed you of the joy that God has for you as you walk in his plan. You haven't been able to experience what he has for you. Maybe it was in a relationship and somebody in their brokenness betrayed you and left your life. And left you broken in pieces. And now as a result of that, that what God has for you, the person that will love you and appreciate you, you can't pursue them or whatever because you've held on to that resentment. What is it in you that you experience that, that maybe... In, you know, that in, in a job setting that you were hurt and disappointed. And as a result of that, that you've never dreamed again about how God could use you. Maybe in church, you experienced a wound or a disappointment from somebody that either you went to church with or was in leadership and it's stuck with you. 
And it's robbed you of the joy of experiencing God's plan and purpose in your life. Resentment is so wasted. It doesn't change your past. It doesn't make it go away. It just continues to make us victims of what has taken place in our life. And I have no stones to throw at anybody. There's situations, I think, in all of our life that when they pop up, that we have to once again, you know, just kind of take hold of it and put that down. There's one situation I'd had to deal with before where an individual would say things, you know, in regards and, and that type of thing. And again, I always wanted to just like say, well, that's not the whole story. Here's, here's things that have happened and, and want to begin to blurt that out. And, and I remember that I was just really struggling with that. And I was listening to a message not too long ago. And, and the guy on there is a, a, a guy named Robert Morris. Maybe some of you are familiar with. He was talking about forgiveness. And he said that he was talking to the Lord about a situation. And the Lord said, he said the Lord said to him, not out loud, but he could just tell in his thoughts it was a God thought, but it was very stern. It was like, forgive them. Forgive them. And he almost felt offended. He was like, well, they hurt me. What they did was wrong. And the Lord said, I know. That's why you have to forgive them. If they hadn't hurt you, there'd be no need to forgive them. If they hadn't disappointed you or betrayed you, there'd be no need to forgive them. Joseph right here, we don't have one quote. There was never a time where it says, and Joseph said, all we know is what he did. And because of his behavior, the scripture forever identifies him as a righteous man or a good man. And what was that area in? And how he responded to whenever he thought he'd been betrayed and shamed publicly. Resentment's powerful. It's a worthless thing. Your resentment allows that person, those people, that situation to continue to hurt you beyond the moment. Forgive them. Forgive them. They hurt me. I know. I know. I've been hurt. So I know what it's like. And I, and I know for me, it's, it's not automatic. It's not instantaneous to get past it. I have to continue to talk to the Lord about it, continue to declare I, I forgive them. Can I just be real transparent with you, though? They hurt me, but I, I know this, too. And it makes me sad. I've hurt people. I've disappointed them. And whether they understood or not, whether they were right or not, it doesn't change the fact that I hurt them. And I love it when I get mercy extended to me. Well, I can't despise it when the Lord asks me to extend it to them. Forgive them. Resentment is a powerful thing, and when we let hurt take over our life, it stands in the way of being joyful. You can't be resentful and joyful at the same time. It's impossible. You can't be bitter and joyful at the same time. It, it blocks off the joy that only comes in God's presence. And so we're called to forgive them. Holding on to bitterness keeps you from experiencing what God has for you in that area. Forgive them. So number two is the thing that gets in the way is when we let hurt take over our life. This last one right here, go with me if you would to Matthew chapter two. It's the first book. You're already in Matthew. Matthew chapter two, just seeing if you're with me. Verse seven. It says, then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Now, 
these wise men, they were men from the east. Many people think that they came from the area that Daniel was captive in. And the things that they had, the writings they had, were things that Daniel had given them centuries before, letting them know about the Messiah that would come. And so they'd been hearing about this century after century. And finally, they began to see these things. And so they began to pursue this journey. They're following, you know, God's leading. They're seekers. You know, they're, they're like four steps you know, to, to our walk, one is to follow, one is to seek, one is to find, and then to worship. And so, so they, they have that. They're in the place of seeking. And so here's the thing about when you begin to seek God's plan, you don't, you don't, know, you don't know the outcome. You don't know where it's going to take you, where you'll end up as a result of that. And so they had a plan, and it was to follow God's plan. Now, Herod had another plan. And his plan was, it was rooted in his own insecurities to protect his position, to protect his power. Man, it's, it's so, you know, it's, it's just so enticing to want to do that. Because, hey, if I don't look out for myself, who will? If I don't protect me and my interests, who will? It's just so enticing. But the wise men had let go of, every, of their position, their title, their security to go to a different land following God's plan. It's always amazing where the Lord takes us. In the middle of that. And so as they go on, it says this. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. Notice this. And it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What gets in the way of our joy when we have our own plan? We have our own plan. Again, man, sometimes trust in the Lord. You don't know where it'll take you. I remember years ago, you know, and I was seeking God's plan. I was, as a teenager, I was seeking God's plan. And, and uh, you know, and every, every believer has a call on their life. Not necessarily maybe to, to like pulpit ministry, but God's called you somewhere. And so I was, I was trying to determine if his call for me was public education and coaching or ministry. And so I began to move towards public education. Now, let me just say this. For some people, like I know my son is a teacher, I, you know, he will tell you that God's called him to do that. And I believe that. And so as I was doing that, I remember eventually I was like 20 years old and the Lord, you know, just, I remember he dealt with me. I remember I'd just taken like a zoology test, I think, a zoology final. And it was amazing how God could speak to me after those things were over. And so, so I remember saying, I'm, you know, I feel like uh, after that performance, I'm called to Bible school. And so it was one of those things that I remember going to Bible school. And I just be real honest with you, it wasn't, there's some things about it that weren't like I thought it was going to be. Not the Bible school, but just the things I went to. I had to work six days a week to pay for my tuition. I was going through clinical depression. The minute I got there, depression just fell on me. I was going through this place. It was, you know, you're like, well, you're in the will of God. And man, sometimes in the will of God, there's still challenges. There's still tests. There's still trials. And I had good parents. They loved me. But, and they were, they were looking out for my interests. But they really didn't understand, you know, what was going on in me and why I was going the direction I was going. They were concerned, you know, about what was taking place. Was I making the right decision? And I remember one night I was out in the garage at, at their house in Vertigris. And, and my dad said to me, he said, look, man, he said, I know it's a really hard place for you. I know you're struggling financially. You're having to work a lot of hours. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I don't know everything's going on, but I know it's kind of hard. And he said, I've talked with your mom, and we want to we propose to you. Why don't you finish getting your education degree? And then if you want to go back to Bible school, you can. Well, and that would be okay for some people, but it wasn't just his plan for me. 
And he said, he said we'll, we'll make it where you don't have to work. And they didn't have a lot of money. My dad was a steel worker. My mom worked for a place that was one time Fran Filter. She did payroll. So there's blue-collar people willing to make these sacrifices. He said, we'll pay for your school. We'll give you money. So these next few years, you can just focus on your studies. I thought, how incredibly unselfish of them to offer that to me. And it was appealing. Now, I didn't know that they were doing it because they were concerned about, you know, what was going to happen and that type of thing. And so I remember, I remember looking at my dad, and there's a verse, I think it's in 1 Corinthians where Paul had written down, he said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. I remember saying to my dad, dad, I'm grateful for that. I can't explain this, but I just feel like, it's like I can't do that. I can't do that. Paul said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. And I don't know why, but I have that same sense, like if I don't go this direction, woe is me. I didn't know everything that I know now. I mean, I mean, it hadn't all been easy. There's been some hard places. We've had to hawk stuff to keep in it. There have been times that, that especially for so many years, because of my insecurities and, and, you know, and then, you know, Tina's background, her, the way she was raised, the way I was raised, and all those kind of things, that there's a lot of times conflict in our relationship and our marriage. That, you know, that, I mean, just all of these things that, that sometimes have taken this step, this direction, that it, that it took us through. And sometimes I'd be like, man, God, you know, should, I be, should we be going through this? Should we be hurting like this in your plan? You know, on the other hand, I, I just tell you right now that I'm living my dream right now. I, I'm in an area that I love. I, I, th- this is my home. I get to have community and do church with people that I love that are patient with me, that recognize that I still have to grow a lot. And yet you still show up. And I don't know if it's just to see if I'm going to fail again or what that looks like or, you know, hey, praise God. If God can use him, there's hope for all of us, you know. So, so I mean, you know, and all of those things, you know, as, I, as you see that, I, it's just, you know, that I, I didn't know then. I mean, I can remember thinking if, if I could do whatever I want and money weren't an issue, what would you do? I'm doing it. I'm doing it. But back then I saw no way to it. It was just a dream. And so I'm just going to like, I'm going to follow God's plan. And where he was taking me didn't look like anything like where I thought I was supposed to be or where I wanted to be. And if there was joy in every one of those seasons. Now, there were times in my life that I would get off track and I would begin to follow my own plan in ministry and dealing with people in marriage. And in every one of those things, it always brought about grief and disappointment, not just in my life, but in the people I dealt with. But whenever I've stuck to his plan, even in the hard seasons, there's a joy that's beyond explanation. It doesn't mean that my happenings are always good. It doesn't mean that there aren't times where there's pain or disappointment or sadness, but there's still joy. And when we have our own plan, it gets in the way of experiencing his joy. Whose plan are you following? It could be your own. It could be people that love you. It could be people with a separate plan like Herod had. It can be things that are connected to your own understanding. But you'll never have real joy until you lay it down and decide to follow his plan. If you're not experiencing joy, it could be that you're looking for it in the wrong place. It could be that you've allowed hurt to lead you and to take you to a place that's robbed you. Resentment has robbed you. It's not changed your past. It's just impacted your future and what God wants to do. Or maybe you're following another plan other than God's because it's safe or because you don't want to disappoint people or whatever the reason is. But we don't find real joy outside of his plan. Just walking with him. 
I want you to do this. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. And let's, let's just, just do an accounting of ourselves on the inside and ask, you know, am I, is, am I experiencing God's joy in my life? Is the joy that Jesus has brought, am I, am I experiencing that right now? And if I'm not, what's in the way of that? Am I looking for it in the wrong place? Have I, have I allowed hurt, resentment, disappointment to get in the way of what he has for me? Am I, am I trying to make up my own plan? Not, not wanting to disappoint other people. Wanting approval. Wanting, not wanting to hurt too much. Or am I following his plan? Let's just spend a moment with God and just let the Lord just speak to our hearts right now.